Hey, thanks for downloading our podcast. This is our review for the 10th episode of American Horror Story Coven. It's called The Magical Delights of Stevie Nicks. Uh, apologies for the ending of this because this episode because it goes really quickly because Tyler was tipsy and had to pee. I'm sure you loved hearing that. Anyway, enjoy this episode where Myrtle plays the Thurman, which is pretty sweet. And you know, don't be a hater, dear. <laughs> All right, let's go. Everybody and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host... Chris Houston. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, uh, nine days later, but uh, we're well into the New Year. Well, it's Happy New I'm Year for... It. It's New Year for American Horror Story, right? So it's basically when the New yeah. Year begins. Right. I would say. How are things going? What are you drinking tonight? Uh, things are going pretty good. Uh, had a great New Year's, New Year's Eve. Um, right now I'm drinking uh, a little leftover from New Year's Eve. Or no, sorry, excuse me, New Year's Day. Someone brought it over. It's uh, some wild turkey. Neat. What are you drinking? I am drinking a um, full sail session lager. Something a little lighter. I had a few drinks earlier this evening, so... I wanted something a little lower alcohol so that way I could process my thoughts as we're going through this episode. Can you tell people why? Why I went out for drinks? Oh, no. Well, oh, did you say that? I thought you were just talking about why you're drinking, or why you're drinking a lower percentage. Oh, I'm drinking a lower percentage because I'm a little tipsy is the reason that I'm drinking a lower <laughs> That's percentage. That's what I wanted you to say. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Excited to get going here. Woo, of course, it's going to be a fun one. Before we really break into things, as always, we want to remind you guys that you can um, check us out on iTunes, rate us, review us, this American Horror Story podcast. Of course, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash this American Horror Story podcast. And uh, shoot us emails with your questions and comments. We've It's kind of been dead air for a while. I know we've all been on break, but we'd like to hear from you at uh, this American Horror Story at gmail.com. Um, but anyway, let's dive into it. I, I do have to admit, I liked a lot of this episode. I did not like the title, which is called Bum Bum, The Magical Delights the magical of Stevie Nicks. It sounds so weirdly sexual. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it does. I didn't think of it that way. It totally does. Ugh. All right. So opening scene, first impressions. I, I don't want to go through this whole storyline now, but we always have to start with the opening scene. So let's talk about Marie Laveau. We learn a little bit more about her now. Um... We see her interaction with this crazy voodoo dude, which um, is known as Papa Legba, which before we... This? Oh, yeah. Lance Reddick. Right. So uh, I looked that up, too. Papa Legba is a voodoo intermediary between the witches and, like, the spirits, and it's right. played by Lance Reddick, who has been in The Wire, the Wire. And Lost, and... Fringe. Uh, fringe and like a bunch of like sci-fi a He's bunch great. of shows yeah he, this is like his bread and butter basically and i thought he was great in this too i was and i gotta say this is probably one of the first times this season i was spooked out i was really i was like really scared but i was like oh god he's creepy he's a scary dude i hope i hope to dear god that we didn't see the last of him because he was he was creepy yeah. this i want to also point out this is the first 
male witch, I believe, or witch, or like male person with magical powers that I think we've seen so far this season. Well, there's that one guy that was on the council. Oh, right. You're right. I didn't think about him. But other than him, yeah. Um, so let's talk about, uh, let's see, the opening scene, which is when Marie Laveau, I think we find out a little bit about her past. It's when she's she's sleeping, right? And he comes to visit her in her sleep. That's the opening scene? Yeah, I think so. I forget if it starts with that or if it starts with her and um, um, I think it, I thought it started with her and uh, Fiona at at the table, like kind of shooting the shit. Right, and we kind of see them developing their relationship a little bit. It's um, like that was really easy to become friends, or they, I think they consider each other equals. Or one calls like, like I'm your equal, but all it took was just one disgruntled witch hunter. <laughs> right. Um, and they're like giving each other potions and stuff like that. Yeah, basically they're like connecting now that Laveau's lost everybody that's, you know, uh, was all the other voodoo witches. And so they've kind of joined clans and everything like that. And they're going to be a potent, a potent duo. But then we see Laveau go to bed and we kind of find out, um, we see the Papa Legba visit her super creepy. He snorts Coke off of his creepy gold nail, his pimp nail. Mm hmm. And then she goes to – we find out that she's uh, – a couple things. So we find out Marie Laveau is 300 years old. And so this is kind of when we really get into the nitty-gritty about how she has preserved her youth for so long. Right, we, which is a secret that we haven't – the show has been keeping from us. How – you know, why – also, what did she give um, Madame LaLaurie about – to keep her forever? But what, uh, what, how has she been able to stay so uh, uh, immortal? Exactly, and we found out that she sold her soul to Papa Legba. That I want to point right. out, there's a lot of allusions in this episode. For a price. I want to point out allusions throughout this episode, first of all. Oh, okay. pa- Papa Ooh. Legba, Live and Let Die, the Bond movie. If none of you have seen it, it's one of my favorite Bond movies. And there's a bad guy in that movie called Baron Samity, and it totally reminded me of Papa Legba with the top hat and like the skull kind of paint and stuff like that. Creepy voodoo cool. dude. Um, so... We find out that her due is that every year she has to provide him with an innocent soul. Marie Laveau does. And so we see the scene in which she goes to a hospital and has to find, you know, takes a newborn baby and brings it to him. We're not sure entirely what he does with it. But we see some creepy stuff where she, like, mind controls the nurse into letting her into the room. And then and when the two cops are on the outside, she when does she the, like, ah! oh, when she does the snake yeah. thing, yeah, with her like oh, speaking tongues that makes them shoot each other, that was nuts. Yeah, and she brings the baby home. God, I'm, I was already loving at this point how much um, uh, of Marie Laveau we were getting in this in this episode because we've gotten her in the past, but we get her when people go visit her. Now we're getting her exposition. We talk about MVPs of episodes, and I would think she would be. I think she would have to be the MVP. I mean, we got the most of her that we've ever gotten from an episode. Absolutely, she was great, especially mm-hmm. when her and uh, Fiona are on the same side. So, were you surprised by like learning how Marie Laveau has had gained her youth? Was it what you were expecting? Did you think it was just her voodoo power, or did you think that it kind of came through this intermediary where she sold her soul not to the devil necessarily, but kind of? I think that's kind of the general idea. Yeah. Um, did it take you by surprise? What did you think about this first opening It kind of did. I liked, I liked this backstory because I didn't think um, 
I thought that she did it to herself, like she knew some power, some spell that she could do it. I didn't know that she would she had paid a price, let alone such a heavy price that she has to constantly keep paying. Um, that that that's the way she got to what she wanted. Because I, I didn't understand why she would want to be immortal either, um, which we still kind of are figuring out why she wants to. But uh, I was surprised and pleasantly surprised. It's a it's kind of a sympathetic. Um, arc for her character that we finally got to see. What did you were you surprised? I agree with that. I don't think that she I mean, she's they've tried to make her a little bit sympathetic before with her story uh, her interactions her with lover. Madame Lalaurie and Bastion and stuff like that. But it, we haven't really gotten to know her yet until this time. So we kind of get to see her origin story here and I do think it humanizes her even more and makes her a more interesting character. Yeah. And I and like you said before, I really think that her and Fiona are a uh, dynamic pair i mean absolutely that just the acting alone is incredible but yeah like the characters are so they play off each other so well it's great i like how they become friends so fast after being nemesis yeah, for so long that was really easy yeah <laughs> um but i thought that was a crazy first opening scene and uh, i don't know <laughs> there's why do you think that do you have any idea why papa legba needs an innocent soul like that seems like a major theme of this episode with the whole Stuff yeah, it wasn't really explained. Um, I mean, that just seems like a trope that's used in lots of horror, so I'm assuming... Yeah, I mean, we even see it in Game of Thrones. I was thinking of when uh, Craster, oh, up in the right. north, above the wall, gives his you know sons all to the White Walkers. That's right. Um, but I hope, I really hope that we see more of Papa Legba before the season's over. Me I too. I that was a great, creepy character that I wish, we, I wish we'd seen earlier, frankly. Right. He's the first I, one that kind of scared us. I mean, the re- Axeman didn't scare me. I was going to say, I'd rather have had him than the Axeman at all, frankly. Yeah. One thing I forgot to say is we for, did we for, did we Oh, no, never mind. Um, so I apologize. Let's... Uh, the director, okay, so, Alfonso Gomez Rejon? Is that what yes, you were? Yes, yeah. yes. We didn't mention that yet, did we? Our favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a stud. And you can, I mean, I feel like you can really tell the episodes that he directs. You have a lot of flashbacks oh, yeah. that are very vivid. Um, the camera takes interesting angles transitions are really creative and that sort of thing um, so he's done a lot of great episodes so far now the storyline that I really want to talk about and follow of course is the Marie Laveau Fiona storyline I think that's kind of the most dynamic one of them so let's talk about some of the others and then kind of go back to that one as kind of okay. our um, the meat of what we're talking about this episode so first I want to talk about Cordelia a little bit because her storyline is floundering slightly it I is say. it is you're right it is we know that, you know, she was blind and she had this power of, you know, touching somebody and seeing all of their past, of course, when um, Myrtle replaced her eyes, now that power is gone. And really, frankly, Cordelia's feeling helpless. And her and Cordelia, or so her and Fiona and Myrtle, or no, her, Fiona and Marie Laveau are sitting around the table talking about the witch hunters kind of coming. And we have this discussion in which Marie Laveau reveals that she hired Hank to kill people. And... Fiona says that, you know, it was her fault for not seeing it before. Or, sorry, Cordelia says it was her fault for not seeing it when she married him. And we see this burst of rage from Fiona, and she comes over and, like, backhands Cordelia you... in the face hard. Yeah, she's furious. She, I thought she was, because I think Marie Laveau had just said something, and I thought Fiona was going over to smack Marie Laveau, and I was like, oh, oh, and then she walks right past her and winds back and just smacks uh, her daughter. That that surprised me. I was like, "Whoa!" It, it was surprising. I think they made it look like that intentionally because I think yeah. you're right. Laveau said something about hiring witch hiring the witch hunters, and mm-hmm. so it made it, you think that she was going to slap him for that. But no, she was yes. more. Fiona was more pissed about the ignorance and yeah. kind of in the blindness 
She the, says that she says you brought Cordy. a viper into this house. Exactly. And you know that Fiona wants to find the hive now of witch hunters and destroy it, but she mm. feels like Cordelia almost betrayed the coven by ignorantly, you know, it was she feels like the signs were so clearly there that Hank was part of this witch hunter organization and that Cordelia turned a blind eye specifically to spite Fiona. Mm-hmm. And so she's, I mean, did you feel like this anger was genuine from Fiona? Is she really pissed? Because she's yes. kind of gone back and forth about how she feels about Cordelia. Yeah, this seemed real genuine, as did through her scene with or with Cordelia later. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's pissed, and it, it looks like it's coming from in like from her heart. She's not happy, right? And so we see. Cordelia is basically she's a shell of herself. She's just crying all the time. We see that scene with her in the garden with Myrtle. Myrtle's playing oh, the theremin, that bizarre that instrument. Scene was amazing for Myrtle alone, right? <laughs> when she's playing the theremin as the theremin. as Cordelia's smashing pots. We also had the line from from Myrtle, uh, "Don't be a hater. It's a theremin." <laughs> Which yeah. I, Don't be a hater, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so tight. God, I again, I. Can't say enough about um, Frances Conroy playing this character. She's killing it. Just, just the juxtaposition of Myrtle playing the theremin while Cordelia yeah. smashing pots over, like being like not having th- powers anymore. It was her. Was an excellent scene, right? Yeah, she's but, trying to like conv- she's trying to give um, Cordelia the the um, support she needs to, and I don't know if Myrtle's trying to push her to be a better witch or to if she's really wanting her to go bottle her her salad dressing up. You know, I don't know. She's telling her that because she'll fight back and become a stronger witch or she really just wants her to do that regardless once cordelia breaks and starts smashing stuff down she just goes right back to playing the thurman <laughs> i think for you, i think that myrtle's point was just that like your she was trying to t- teach cordelia that her value isn't relative to where she stands in in the coven you know that coven. she has natural self-worth and that she has a lot of talents and even if she doesn't have powers anymore that she has a lot of other things she's you know, she's very motherly. She's a good potion maker. All this kind of stuff. She was just she'd be to... a good cruise ship hostess. Yeah, she's always she'd... put together. <laughs> she'd be a terrible teacher, as we've realized, because she oh, never yeah. actually teaches anybody. But... <laughs> she lets a witch hunter, a murderer, into their house. True. So she wouldn't get a diplomacy by him. Right. So, uh, but Cordelia's kind of floundering, and she's she a lost soul. I would say it's kind of like point. they're not sure. Where she's going to go now. Right. I think she has a purpose maybe in three episodes at the end. Like, with dealing with Cordelia. I'm sorry, with Fiona. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, we just have to be reminded that she's around. And here's a scene, fortunately saved by uh, Myrtle being there. By an excellent Myrtle, absolutely. Yeah, reminds us that Cordelia is not happy. And she says, like, I I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I want to transition now to talk about um, the group of girls, which, of course, I'm just, I'm talking about Nan, Zoe, Madison. and Madison. And we kind of – between among them, we kind of have this big – they're kind of the ones instigating the debate over who the Supreme is. Yeah, there's some tension there. I mean, we find out that Nan has more powers than we realize. Where did that come from? Where, did, was there a scene? I mean, I don't think there was a... I think it was... I don't think we realized she had these powers till she shows us in, in the scene where she makes... Where she's about to make Madison stick the cigarette up her vagina. Oh, my God. That was so ridiculous. I was like, oh, shit. That was great. It was funny. 
But I think it's worth noting that everybody's powers are growing. We, you know, I we agree. Have... I 100% agree. I wanted to ask you about that. Everyone's powers are growing. You think that. We have Myrtle talking about her powers growing. We have Madison talking about her powers growing. Um, and, you know, not having the heart murmur anymore after being burned. We already knew that Zoe's powers were growing when she kind of conjured those spells earlier on to kind of harness the axe man. And now we learn that Nan's powers are growing too. So it seems like everybody... Nan's Jean Grey. Seriously. And so we know that everybody is... All their powers are expanding, so they're making it really confusing for us who the Supreme is. Right. I think we we had heard a theory from a, a email or Facebook at one point that maybe there isn't just one Supreme. Maybe it's being like evenly distributed out among everybody. And at this point, it seems possible because everybody's all of a sudden getting powers. Like some Captain Planet shit. Right. So we get some great scenes... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so we get some great scenes in which we see, like, man almost make Madison stick the cigarette up her giant and stuff her like nudie. that. Madison's near the heart murmur. Um, and then we have the scene in which Violet and Nan go to see Luke at the hospital. Well, of course, what we got last episode is that Luke is now dead. He murdered by his own... flown over the cuckoo's nest. Murdered by his own mother, Patty Lapone, um, with a pillow after he had discovered that she'd killed their, his father. So Nan and Zoe then go back and visit Mama Lapone. Um, and this is when we really see Nan demonstrate her powers when she flings Zoe against the wall and then makes. When she well, when, once we find out that Luke was cremated because they wanted to bring him right. back to life with right. Misty. Right. right, exactly. So this so this is kind of the antidote to being brought back to life. We find out it's cremation, um, which obviously makes sense. And so Nan, in her anger, force feeds Patty Lapone a jug of bleach. Right. Well, she controls she Patty to force feed herself <laughs> right um and so we find this so then nan who had kind of been the innocent soul the kind-hearted ends up killing and who wanted to be a nice supreme she says well but uh, to be fair patty lapone has now killed both her husband and her son so i feel like that's somewhat justified at this point right well i mean in this world yes but she still murdered someone <laughs> sure sure but what i wanted to ask you is so now that Patty Lapone is dead. Now that Luke is dead, what was the whole point of having them involved in the first place? I agree. I thought about this, and I think the only purpose was to facilitate Nan's character from point A to point B. Which is from innocence to... From being completely innocent to kind of getting this arrogance and trying to prove herself that she is also worthy of being the Supreme, and then ultimately leading to her demise when she kind of steps to Laveau. Mm-hmm. So it's a device that's Fiona, relative yeah. completely to Nan. For Nan, I think. I think, I mean, I would agree with that because as far as I can see at this point, otherwise that's it, it right doesn't now. really have exactly. a purpose. Right. Yeah. So at this point right now, that's all it really seems like it did. Which is mm-hmm. not, I don't know, a waste of Patty Lapone. <laughs> it is, and it leaves a lot of other questions unanswered. Like, why did um, why did Misty faint when she was trying, when she revived Patty Lapone the former episode? That's, I mean, not entirely clear. Um, so speaking of Misty, then, let's let's talk about Misty for a second. And talk about Stevie Nicks. So, yeah. Fiona tries to befriend Misty, basically. And, you know, Misty's a little hesitant at first. She doesn't trust Fiona, with good reason, because Fiona has a propensity to kill uh, potential Supremes that might stand in her way. But Fiona 
tries to at least act as if she's forging a friendship with Misty. We've seen this with um, Madison. We saw the same thing with Madison. And she's describing to Misty how being supreme is a skeleton key to anything you want. It unlocks all sorts of things. It unlocks connections with people and wealth and luxury and fame and all this power, ultimately power. And she demonstrates this, of course, by bringing in Stevie Nicks, who, who is a witch, apparently. The White Witch. She, and she's like, I always try to get her to bring her into the shadows, but she's the White Witch. She right. won't come. <laughs> so, That's of great. course. What a, what a Miss... tease on the rumors of her, too. Oh, rumors, get it? <laughs> <laughs> so Misty faints immediately. And we have two, a couple songs here, which were clearly just thrown in there to make good use of Stevie Nicks. And I'll take it. So Stevie playing on the piano as the girls arrive home. She's playing Rihanna. Rihanna. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Stevie's getting a little croaky, in my opinion. I, mean, uh, I just thought it was good. Oh, but... <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> well, she's older. I still enjoyed it, but she, okay, you have to admit she's getting a little croaky. Um, but it was still an entertaining scene when the girls came home and everything. And, of course, you'd be seeing Misty trying to perfect the shawl swirl. And all the, that swir- kind of the twirl, that was great. I love them twirling together. <laughs> I also love the line, of course, from uh, Fiona Madison to oh. yeah to to Fiona that was like, "When is when is Mar- when is Eminem coming?" And she said, "Oh, Marshall, he's not your type." <laughs> that was tight, yeah. And also the um, the bet that uh, Fiona had with uh, Stevie about if if Missy would faint or not. She's like, "You owe me five bucks." I told you she'd do that. <laughs> yeah, and she actually mean- steps over her and like doesn't care. Clearly, oh, yeah. and that's uh, that's blatantly showing us that that Fiona doesn't care about Missy. Like you said, she's just trying to f- get her close to keep because it's an enemy. She's mm, an enemy. She's, exactly. She just uses people, and so uh, yeah, it's a very yeah, like you said, a very blatant metaphor. Um, so I thought that was a great scene, and I think it, it's awesome that they were able to bring Stevie under the episode. Yeah. I don't, um. And we, I, I, okay, so we had talked about when we, in our preview episode, we said, if it's going to be set in New Orleans, they're going to have to have a jazz funeral. And what do we see yes. this episode? Thank God we finally got our funeral scene. A sweet-ass jazz funeral with Misty and Madison, Madison. C- coming up the rear. Eating chicken skewers. <laughs> yeah, it was that was awesome. And then they go into the cemetery, of course, and... We see Madison kind of be a mini Fiona and like trying to manipulate Misty by like saying like I'm your friend I have powers I don't need you I'm just telling you that people are going to take advantage of you when you're supreme and all this stuff but I don't need you and then Madison show demonstrates the strength of her powers by bringing the guy back to life in the coffin and then mm. which uh, another example like holy crap she can do that just by like a wave of her hand. This is get, I mean, well, these girls right. are getting powerful. Well, right. Well, that shit would have been useful back when after Kyle died. Because yeah. After, yeah. Oh, Kyle forgot about him. <laughs> well, he wasn't in this episode at all. Him and Lori were were gone. I didn't. Yeah. I love. Of course, uh, I love Kathy Bates, but I can't say I miss Kyle all that much. <laughs> no. We, well, we never do. Um, no. But yeah, yeah. When when Madison does the flick of the hand and and the, I mean, I did not know that she had that power. Did you, did you? So all of a sudden, all these girls have these powers that I, I'm pretty sure we hadn't seen before. 
I don't think we had seen before, and I think a big point of this episode was like making us super confused about who the potential Supreme is and just showing right. us how everyone is becoming more powerful. Right. Which, frankly, I think made this episode particularly awesome because yes. we finally got to see magic everywhere from everybody yeah. with with what Dan did in Patty Lapone's house, with what Madison does to Misty in the cemetery. I mean, it just seems like everyone has everyone's powers are growing. And so you really feel like we're kind of bubbling and it's going to come to this boil where we kind of just see everybody clash. Right. Well, it's nice to see them united against one enemy, even though it's Hank's dad. And he still doesn't seem all that threatening. But they're united against one, but there's turmoil within their camp. Well, totally. And I feel like, well, let's talk about that more at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I I mean, I I do want to say that. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I do think that Papa Legba is far more terrifying than Hank's dad is. Yeah, yeah. But he's kind of like a cool, scary guy. I like him, but I like, I think that's part of what makes him creepy is like, yeah. he's he's a magical wild card, dude. Yeah. But yeah, as far as the Supremes go, though, we've got Misty against Fiona, or Fiona against Misty. Madison saying she's going to take Misty out. And she pulls the old one-two that we've seen in a few movies where the misdirection and the brick over the head and then you get buried alive in uh, in the New Orleans Cemetery. It reminded me of Double Jeopardy. That mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Um, and we had and a jazz you, funeral in that movie, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And you have Nan, who's against Madison, too. And Zoe's kind of just chilling. Well, all I mean, it's kind of all building up to... The seven wonders, or whatever they call it, the seven. You know, this. I think that's going to be the final episode. It's going to be the seven tests, and we're going to. I think. I think we talked about this. I'm pretty sure in the last episode we're going to figure out finally who the actual supreme is. Either that, or everyone's going to be dead, or or they were dead and they were brought back to life. Oh, that's one other thing. Madison's looking a hell of a lot more healthy now that she's been undead for I don't know a couple of weeks now. I guess it's been. So is Myrtle, though. I mean, and Myrtle's seems skin's like... getting better. Yeah, it's interesting. They're looking well, it almost more, it almost more. seems like death has almost rejuvenated them. Like, and burning, I think you know. Myrtle says that even. Mm-hmm. She says like I've never felt so clean or like you know renewed, rejuvenated. Well, right, it got rid of Madison's heart murmur. So something about right. dying oh, right. and coming back has made them stronger, almost. So maybe the stronger people will be the ones who have died and came back because mm-hmm. they come back stronger, as opposed to. Laveau and uh, Fiona, who are now going to be immortal, who won't be as strong because they never died in the first place. So death will be a strength. Are right. we on to something? That could be... Oh, that's an interesting point. Maybe Because Lord knows Dan's probably coming back next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, okay. She so showed let's, up let's... 30 seconds after she died. She popped uh, behind... Papa leg boss. Okay, well, so that's later. Right. We'll so, anyway, so, so, no, no, you're absolutely right. We need to get it. We need to get to the main storyline that I really want to talk about, with the meat of the story. Yeah. So basically, yeah, we already talked about it. Madison knocks out Misty, and she's in tomb somewhere, and I assume that yeah. she'll be reemerging. And we'll see next her next week. Right. So now let's talk about the whole Fiona Laveau Nan storyline we got going on. Um, of course, we have the whole discussion about how to handle the. Witch hunters, and you know they do this research on Delphi, which is the company that is basically the witch hunter company, and how it was. Uh, I researched. That, they googled. Yes, of course. There's so many pop culture references. I think there was a Ben Bernanke reference, and yep. having people calling haters. I feel like sometimes they just like throw in those pop culture references for the hell of it. Eminem, but uh, right, rappers. Okay, so, 
Right. Google Rappers. <laughs> so they Googled all this stuff on Delphi, which is an asset company, which is basically a big Wait, front for Wait, M&M, Madison Montgomery. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> too, I'm thinking too much. I think you're, you're going to Vinci Code on us. So it might be a little beyond what they're thinking. <laughs> okay, continue. My bad. So let's talk for a minute about this mousetrap model mm. that uh, Laveau and Fiona create, in which they like make a mousetrap and there's money involved and they have these things. and like It seems like they use their combined magic to basically make the FBI go and audit Investigate. Delphi. And I don't, I don't, I didn't completely understand it. It was kind of weird, but like, well, they did not explain it. So no, so they're making this mouse trap, and in the process, Fiona totally freaks out at Cordelia for trying to be helpful, and just wants her to like get the hell out of there. So their relationship, I mean, it's been back and forth since the beginning, but now it just kind of feels like fractured completely. Yeah, yeah, it's broken. So they make this mouse trap. The FBI comes in, starts auditing Delphi. Um, then a mouse dies and like Cordelia almost or Fiona almost collapses. That's not really explained. I mean, except that it's just like the exertion of her magic, I guess. And I don't know. Interesting scene, a different form of magic than we really. This seems more like kind of like the voodoo magic, where you take a bunch of um, elements and you put them together to make like a to represent something else. And right, because I kind of feel like the witch magic is more like unseen. It's just kind of. You know, body, bodily movement and thought and, like, you know, verbal spell and stuff like that. Whereas mm-hmm. it seems like the voodoo is, like, mixtures of different herbs and spices and elements mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do want to say in this sequence, the uh, transition of that little mouse maze uh, with the money in it and the traps in it. The way we got a, um, a shot at the mouse and then, we, and then the, the camera kind of... Uh, hands through the wall and then we come out the other side of the wall in the office of Delphi to show mm-hmm. the guys running around. I love that transition. I mean, it's Classic completely literal. Gomez, like, Rejo. Yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. so great. It's brilliant. Good job it, to uh, Alfonso Gomez Rejon there. No, he's, so, he's so good at that stuff and that, that yeah. really was an excellent, excellent shot scene. Um, I, I, I actually thought that was kind of cool. So, Help, walk me through this a little bit. So you think the purpose of what they were doing there is basically by having the F- FBI kind of go in and interrupt them, they're distracting them from planning to come attack the witches as well, retribution they, for Hank's murder? What happened was, as far as I know, that when they were trying to, like, Laveau was like, all right, let's go over there and, like, that's that's a hop, skip, and a jump away. Let's go over there and just get those guys. And, and uh Fiona's like, well, let's think about this for a second. You know, let's get them where they hurt the most. Uh, and they worship the green god, meaning let's. And they show some money. money, and they're like, so let's cut them off from their from their money and their cash flow, because uh, these guys are dependent on that, and that's what their whole uh, uh, that's what their life depends on. So mm-hmm. I, it's, it seems like a silly thing to do if you really wanted to just kill the guys, you could go kill them. But for some reason, they wanted to cut their cash flow first, right? So that's a good point. So well, basically what they're doing is cutting the cash flow so that way they have less resources to work out a revenge plan against the right. coven. Which is, will be hard anyway. They're all humans. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, versus magic, that's tough. But, I mean, I guess they've been battling them for thousands yeah. of years or hundreds of years now. So they must have, you know, they must have some, some tricks up their sleeves. Certainly it seems like Hank killed a number of witches. So Yeah, by but tricking Fiona- them into loving him. <laughs> <laughs> the power of love. <laughs> I'm pretty sure right, that 
I was going to say, I think Huey Lewis wrote a, story, wrote a song about witch hunters. Um, <laughs> so Fiona's slowly kind of getting drained by whoever the new Supreme is. Um, she's obviously, as she always has been since the beginning, seeking eternal youth. So she really gets to asking Laveau how she accomplished that. And that's how we get the whole story about how Laveau sold her soul to Papa Legba. And but what Laveau didn't realize is that um, it came with a price. She had to give up her own baby. Right. Do you, did you get the impression that Laveau regrets this? Yes. Um, that's what I got too. That like she would have rather not have had eternal life and been able to keep her baby if she'd understood what the price was going to be. Exactly, which makes sense later on when Fiona tries to cut her deal. She's like, "Okay, we got to break it down though. What are the terms here?" Right. Well, but I think that Fiona is more reckless than yeah, Laveau yeah. is, and she'll do. I mean, it's pretty clear she'll do anything to get her eternal life. So, you know, they talk about the story and we get to see this, these whole flashbacks about how Laveau's baby was taken from her and everything like that. Um, and Fiona reveals, but I thought this was an interesting part where Fiona reveals that she is in love with, she's in love. And it's this love of the Axeman that's given her yeah. renewal. So I guess that's kind of, we find, I mean, it seems like the whole point of the Axeman now is, is as Fiona's love interest is what has kind of renewed her interest in staying alive again. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Frankly, I'm not a huge fan of the Axeman. I think it's kind No, of... I'm not really either. It's not my... It's like one of my lower, like, least favorite uh, storylines. Just because, oh yeah, he pops up, you're like, oh yeah, that guy again. Yeah, well, and also the fact that the Axeman is also has eternal life as in yeah. doesn't age anything. Why doesn't she ask him what he did? Like, why yeah. doesn't she figure out the ghost spell that they cast instead of trying to go through Legba? So anyway, uh, Fiona's determined to sell her soul to Papa Legba, like chops up some cocaine so that way they can... Four lines for Papa Legba. Right, and um, it works. They summon him. Well, she summons him. She summons him, yeah. I do want to say this is another awesome Gomez Rejon thing. Every time Legba comes, you don't see him until you see his shadow like oh, that go was around. so cool around. creepy. Or his silhouette. I thought that was super cool. That's part of what made it so creepy. I thought that yeah. was very creative directing. And the makeup they did with him. Like the close shots on his face with the shadow in the dark rooms. Oh my god. That was creepy. That, again, mm-hmm. first time I've been really scared in this uh, series or this season. Mm-hmm. And like just the fact that we don't know anything about him but that he's like a wild card spirit that like, yeah. does coke and like, yeah. steals babies. I mean, that's kind of fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So... Legba again wants Fiona's soul to he basically they're going to have a deal in which if she gives her if she gives him her soul he'll give her eternal life. But as you said Fiona wants to define the terms more clearly but she doesn't seem to really there's nothing she wouldn't do. She would cripple her own daughter. She would murder someone else she loves. Mm-hmm. She whatever it takes she would do it. So that really the terms don't matter that much as long as she gets her eternal life she doesn't age. She can't die anything like that. So we see like a almost like a Death Eater scene here where Legba goes to suck the soul out of Fiona. Can't do it. She's dry. She has no soul, which I assume is from her being so shitty all her life. Is that the impression you got? Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly what I thought. Like she is so desperate that she has no loyalty to anyone but herself. So there's no mm. soul there. She's soulless, which makes her, I guess, makes her the ultimate villain in some ways. I yeah. mean how can you be redeemed when you don't have a soul anymore? Um, 
So, <laughs> I mean, I imagine even Lala Ree would have a, a smidge of a soul. Well, we've seen it when in with interactions her with, well, it, with her daughters, but also with Queenie oh, with, before Queenie. Oh, died. yeah, with Queenie for sure. You're right. Yeah, that's that's way more evident there. Right. Um, so Fiona, now that she knows she can't sell her soul, her next plan is just to kill all the witches, so that yeah. way she makes sure she gets the supreme. I was like, oh my god. You were just, like, slapping your daughter for not protecting the coven, and now you want to go take out half the coven yourself. Right. And so, <laughs> we have this scene in which Nan hears the baby crying in the cupboard, comes in to, to kind of re- rescue the baby, gets confronted by Fiona and Laveau. Um, I mean, I think the whole point of this scene was basically to plant in their heads that maybe nan is is dangerous now that she has stronger powers and also she's an innocent soul that potentially fiona could sacrifice for eternal life right so i but i thought this was a hell of a transition where we go from nan walking out to them drowning nan in the bathtub yeah well okay so yeah okay that go ahead go ahead go ahead well when nan's like kind of talking trash to marie and fiona she's you know like i'm i have more powers than you or fiona i you know i killed the next door neighbor lady uh just like an hour ago and and then fiona comes in and Fiona's like what's happened and and uh marie goes she don't kill the neighbor lady like (laughs) (laughs) that was so funny that was really funny like i rolled while she's saying it I know. Where did Nan's powers go when she was being like drowned in the bathtub just by being pushed down? Also, also when Nan was saying, or when Fiona was like, or Nan's like, you know, I'm strong, I have powers, and then Fiona's like, give me the baby or give her back the baby, and then and, she just does. And Nan's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> here you is go. Is that just Nan? Is that just like Nan's weak constitution, I, like being used she, to being deferential? It's a concession, I think, meaning like she thinks she's strong, but she knows she's maybe not that strong yet. Well, I mean, Fiona's the Supreme, so exactly. she doesn't know that she's the Supreme. Yeah, right, Well, right. and, like, Laveau's a whole beast of her own. Laveau, like, I feel like Laveau was the whole Supreme of the Voodoo Coven, basically. Yeah, and yeah. And so their powers together are... Right. But, yeah, so... But it was, like... But, I like, it was almost comical, the scene in which they were drowning her in the bathtub. It wasn't dark. It was. It, it felt like a Three Stooges scene, where, like, they're like the two of them are, like, above the bathtub, yeah. shoving her down there. Two and, birds, like, one stone, with... let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was weird, and also like I, I was, I was hoping Nan wouldn't die just because she kind of got interesting as her hat was now in the ring to become a supreme. She, she finally gets some badass powers. We see, and of course, you know, behind Papa Legba, we see her reappear as a ghost immediately. Right. So, you, do you think Nan's coming back? Because yes. I think that they were trying to give us the impression that Nan is going to the other world and yeah. not coming back. I, I, I still think that she might be able to come back. I mean, her body's there, right? Like we can. Maybe what's her face? Misty will bring her back, or Madison can bring her back now. Yeah, I I don't know. I I like something about it made me feel like maybe this was the end for that. Nana. Was it? Yeah. Well, but, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, but it, it was kind of like once again they don't make death very dramatic when you see Nan come back as a ghost literally yeah. three seconds after she drowns. Right. I did like Papa Legbub telling telling Fiona, you know, like what. Like, this is not what I meant when I said an innocent. And she's like, she's kind of innocent. I mean, she killed the neighbor lady, but the bitch had it coming. <laughs> exactly. And then, I love and like, Laveau and Fiona going after, like, just talking shit like that. And then Legba was like, well, the two of you, I don't know what to do with you. You guys are, 
<laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you two are trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was comical. It was, it was comical. comical. It was really funny. But the bitch had it coming. <laughs> and then, of course, the episode ends with Stevie back, like Stevie's show back up at the house for some reason, just to play piano for a while more and sing another song. I mean, I'll I take that, it again. Yeah. <laughs> so we get we get another Stevie Nicks song, and that's the end of the episode. Um, what a weird note to end on. I mean, what do you make of all of it? Where is this going? Well, I think um, what we're supposed to take from that is it seems like Fiona kind of got her deal. Then maybe that she will have her immortality. That's what so I was she- gonna. Yeah, so I think she's crying out of somewhat happiness, and now she gets to have this love because um, Stevie's singing the song about, you know, has anyone ever done the song for you? And now she kind of, I don't know, maybe she was like, no, no one has ever done anything for me, but now I finally have something. And I so you live. think Fiona's immortal now? I you think I think you, so. you think that Nan counted that as the soul? You so you think Nan counted as the innocent soul and like maybe yeah yeah. I don't know. I think it, it's definitely possible. I wasn't sure how to interpret that ending. Yeah, well, I don't think maybe it's set in stone yet, but I think that it's it's in motion now, meaning like that uh, Legba was like, all right, you know, you, you clearly want this badly. Like, we'll try to make this happen. Because it seemed like happy tears. So that's why I was kind of thinking that maybe she's in a good mood because of what had transpired. Yeah. It was a long day, but she accomplished what she wanted to somewhat accomplish, which is get her immortality, maybe, or on the path to it. Plus, she mm-hmm. took out one of the potential Supremes, even though, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I Again, it's it, it's interesting. Who knows? I, and I didn't, well, my copy, I did not get to see the preview scenes for next week, so I have no idea what, what's leading up. Well, first of all, I want to say, let's crowdsource this and write it in, people, and tell us what you think this Fiona's tears meant. Were they tears of joy? Were they tears of sadness? Were they tears of frustration? Post it on our Facebook wall, This American Horror Story, and of course email us at this, uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Um, so the scenes for next week, you didn't miss too much. We see Nan's funeral, which the, like, they're trying to play it off as she just slipped and fell in the bathtub, basically. And then we basically Fiona's on a warpath to kill everybody. And that's kind of it. It's like, it's like a very Ooh, choppy. Wait. It's very choppy, but we know that there's turmoil within the coven. Um, but overall, I want to ask you at this point then, um, what did you think of this episode overall? I really liked it a lot. I had I had so much fun. Uh, I laughed a, a lot, per usual, but um, a lot more because Laveau had a lot more screen time. Angela Bassett's great in this role too. Mm. I don't think we've said enough about how fantastic she is, but she's great. Agreed. Um, and seeing her and um, Jessica Lang do these characters and go kind of head to head, but on the same side, like kind of cutting down the common person, is fa- fantastic. It's it's so fun. They're um, a scary duo, man. Yeah, they are a scary duo, and they are damn funny when they do it. Though they're, I love them together. Uh, I also love um, the introduction of Papa Legba. I think he's actually scary, even though toward the mm. end he became a little more comical. But our first introduction to him, I was like, oh god. Like I was like, oh, I feel like he, creepy. He, he, I feel like he could go back to creepy in a heartbeat too. I feel yes. like the, this episode had a really good balance of comedy and actually horror, right? And, which is something that we have we've gotten kind of one or the other, but we haven't had that really good balance. Right, yet. right, exactly. And it's more been kind of a soap, uh, a, a supernatural soap at, at times. But yeah, yeah, he was scary, especially in the beginning. And I, I, the makeup that they do with him it reminds me of the movie Insidious, where mm. those that is a scary ass movie too. But anyway. It's very well done and creepy, and 
unnerving, just like um, they did with the zombies, the the demon zombies. I thought that was good too. Anyway, um, so I loved that, and uh, I like having the Madison versus Misty versus um, Nan, Man. and everyone kind of jockeying to thinking they're the supreme. That's exciting and fun, uh, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, in the end, I mean, you got Stevie freaking Nicks uh, on uh, in the episode twice, singing twice, and I love that. And she's even twirling for us, so I love this episode. I would give it a four and a half. Dude, I I I have nothing other else to add. Like I said before, I think it's the perfect balance. I love Legba. I hope we see more of him. He was terrifyingly creepy. I love the duo of Jessica Lang and um, Angela Bassett together. I think Myrtle continues to be awesome and love everything about her. I like that we didn't see Kyle this episode. I like the dynamic between Madison and Misty was really interesting. I loved everything about it. We got to see a jazz funeral. We got Yeah, I mean, the funeral and the music was fantastic. Oh, loved it, it was awesome. I give it a four and a half, too. I think that's our highest score this season. That nine is ten. nine? Whoa, that, that's incredible. Wow. That's solid, people. That's solid. I think that we have like I think we have a lot to look forward to. I think that the Supreme Battle is going to be the battle to watch. I think it's yes. gonna be bigger than the Witch Hunter thing or anything else. It's gonna be who's the next Supreme is the big Who question do you think that's our question, right? Who do you think it is now, Mr. Mm-hmm. Moss? <sighs> I still I'm still gonna say Zoe. I think that Zoe's the wild card and I think it's gonna be her because they're kinda downplaying her now. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. say Zoe. What do you think? Um I don't. I want to say. I, I want to say who I want it to be now, just because I think it would be fun, and I think it would say be really fun if, if Madison was the. <laughs> turns out to actually ultimately, because remember they were hinting at it in the beginning, and like how cool would that. Well, be and then she had the heart murmur. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that would have been cool, but now that that's gone, then again, that that being said, just like our one listener who wrote in and saying it's it might be some type of collective uh, su- supremacy that ends up happening. Um, but Nan would have been pretty badass, too. I'm kind of bummed that she's... Again, she might not be completely dead. Who knows? But it's kind of sad that they took her out right when she got real interesting instead of just being the girl pining after the neighbor. I know. Uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff to come, and that's the question. So let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, once again, check us out on iTunes, This American Horror Story Podcast. Rate us, critique us, comment. Of course, This American Horror Story at gmail.com and facebook.com slash This American Horror Story Podcast. Once again, happy hauntings, everybody, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Bye. Happy New Year. Yeah.